Now open your Bibles, please, to Malachi, the Old Testament book of Malachi, the third chapter. We're going to read one verse from Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to read one verse, or two verses from Lamentations chapter 3. Don't often read from Lamentations. It follows Jeremiah and precedes Ezekiel, and I know you knew that, but I needed you to know that I knew that, so that's why I told you. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, Lamentations chapter 3, so we'll read there in a moment. We, we started uh, two weeks ago today a, a new series, What Every Christian Should Know. And so the first Sunday we talked about the fact, are you a Christian for certain? And then last week we talked about what every Christian needs to know about the Bible. So this morning we're going to talk about what does every Christian need to know about God and wow, that is a big undertaking for us this morning. So let's read the Word. Stand up with me, please, and honor the reading of God's Word. I'll be referring to many verses this morning, but these we focus on. Malachi 3.6 I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Now, I want you to let that float around in your mind for a moment. I, the Lord, do not change. And for your sake and mine, I am so thankful that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We just sang it. Great is your faithfulness. Say it with me. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. You may be seated. God exists. God created. God loves you. God is sovereign. God is personal. God gave His Son, Jesus. God is holy. God will be glorified. God is faithful. And those are just a few of the things that we could say about God this morning. So I want us to get our arms around a few things that I believe every Christian ought to know about God. And the first is this, God exists. Now, that may be an assumption on your part and mine. As followers of Christ, we believe God exists. We also know not everyone in the world believes that there is a God. God exists. We use human language to describe the divine. In full recognition that no language is adequate to describe God and His holiness and His majesty and His greatness. We make an assumption as we come together today, an assumption from Scripture that we know, we know God because He has chosen to make Himself known to us. Understand the importance of that. In His greatness, in His glory, in His majesty, you and I could never know Him unless He chooses to make Himself known, which He has done. We call that 
Revelation, not to be confused with the book of Revelation, but we call it Revelation because God chooses to reveal Himself to us. And for us, that is critical. God exists. Scripture assumes God exists and begins in Genesis by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Such a very matter-of-fact statement and yet extraordinarily profound. All people, all people can know that God exists. Now, Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1. It's important for us to get our arms around this. In Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 19 and 20, what may be known about God is plain because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now that is important for us to grasp, that every person can know that God exists and that all are without excuse. However, we know many refuse to acknowledge that God exists. And in that same first chapter of Romans, Paul tells us why. They have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. And then the psalmist puts it this way in the 10th Psalm and the 4th verse. And in that verse it says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. How profound, how accurate, how true. There is no room for God in the hearts of many. So creation itself is evidence that God exists. We do not have blind faith. We have evidence. We have the Bible and we have creation. And we know that God exists. He is real. God has not called me to prove the existence of God. I appreciate the deep books that many have written and I appreciate them. And, and find them to be profound and very moving and very accurate. But my calling is to point people to God and to say, He is real. He exists. I know Him and you can know Him too. God exists. Now, the second thing that I believe every Christian ought to know about God is God has a name. God has a name. And that is a way of saying that He is personal and knowable. 
I appreciate it when somebody calls my name. Most of the time. I appreciate it when somebody calls my name. And I work so hard at, at knowing names. And every once in a while people say, I don't know how you know. Oh, listen, if you only knew the names I forget, <laughs> you wouldn't be impressed at all. And, and sometimes I see someone and I say, I've only known him for 30 years. What is his name? I work hard on that. But it's always good when somebody greets you and calls your name. And when they don't call your name, it doesn't necessarily mean they've forgotten. But it does make you feel good that they they call your name. We just want to give grace and latitude to people. God has a name. And that means that he is personable, personal and knowable. And we can never fully know God. In Psalm 145, the psalmist reminds us, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We, we cannot in this world, in this life, fully know God, but we can know Him personally. And how is it that we can know Him personally? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. As it says in John chapter 17 and verse 3, throwing out lots of scriptures this morning. You won't have time to look them up. Just write them down. John 17 verse 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. God has a name. What is his name? Let's go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3, Moses is conversing with God. God is saying to Moses, you're going to lead my people out of slavery. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation his name reveals his character he is personal redeemer we know his name by what he has done that is by revelation and scripture tells us that he is love that he is light and much much more and jesus said I and the Father are what? One. I and the Father are one. He who knows me knows the Father. So every Christian ought to know God exists and that God has a name. The third thing that every Christian ought to know about God is that God is unchangeable. Back to Malachi the third chapter, the verse we read a moment ago, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. 
and then the verses in Lamentations, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you, do you, do you understand? Do you understand how important it is that God doesn't change? He doesn't change the way we come to know Him. It isn't we come to know Him through Jesus today and then we come to Him some other way tomorrow. God never changes. What God says is right today will be right tomorrow. And what God says is wrong today will be wrong tomorrow. Our society needs to take hold of that. God does not change. He is not like the gods of mythology who change in, in, in like man every, every five minutes. God is unchangeable. And, and I am so grateful for that. I can think of the times in my life when God should have said, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you thought that. I can't believe you did that. I'm done with you. And he would have had every right to do that. But he didn't because he's faithful. He's unchanging. He loves me. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. And he's forgiven my sin through Jesus Christ, our Lord, his son. Now, God is unchangeable. What a blessing. Un- unchanging in his person. Unchanging in his purpose. Uh, unchanging in his promises. Unchanging in his principles. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will not change based on circumstances. And that's the reason we aren't destroyed right now. Plain and simple. God is unchangeable. And when the Scripture says God is love, that means He was loved yesterday when He sent His Son Jesus to the cross. He is loved today and our hearts right now. And He will be loved tomorrow no matter what we may encounter. He is unchangeable. Number four. So we know God exists. God has a name. God's unchangeable. Fourth thing that every Christian ought to know about God is God is holy God is holy. He's holy. He's separate. He's different. He's set apart. There is no sin in Him. And our response to the holiness of God is awe and reverence. In the 99th Psalm, in verse 9, it it tells us, the psalmist tells us, exalt the Lord our God, and worship at His holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. In Isaiah, the sixth chapter, the Lord tells us in Isaiah chapter 6, holy, 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 that the, the, the cherubim, seraphim were worshiping, and they were calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of His glory. And, and then in John's vision, uh, of heaven in the fourth chapter of revelation as the living creatures worship god they were saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come god is holy that's why we have no hope of heaven apart from jesus because god is holy And sin cannot exist in His presence, and you and I are sinners. Therefore, we have no hope at all 
were it not for Jesus. But because of Jesus, we have hope in our hearts, the certainty that because of Jesus, we will see God. Now, that's why we know, because God is holy, that's why we know that in heaven there will be no more sin. Because sin cannot exist in His presence. So when you get to heaven, there won't be any more sin, not yours or anybody else's. And, and I'm really grateful. I, just look at what's going on. I mean, just look at what's going on today. I just the other day that those guys that those guys that threw acid on the face of that little four-year-old boy. Did you read that? And why in the world would anybody do? And then all the stuff. Just look at it. Wait, people are screaming at each other in hate-filled society in which we find ourselves today. Well, I'll tell you, there won't be any of that in heaven. There'll be no sin in heaven because God is holy and there can't be any sin in His presence. I'm so grateful. Now, some things you ought to know. God exists. God has a name. God is unchangeable. God is holy. But fifth thing we ought to know about God is God is omnipresent. You know that big word, omnipresent. There is no place in the world where God is not, including right here in this room. There are no limits on him as to time and space. He's not limited by material space. He created it all. And he is unlimited. In, in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. His personal presence is a redemptive presence. His continuing presence is through the Holy Spirit as we were in the Gospels. It means that He is omnipresent. It means you cannot escape from Him. That brings us great comfort. When we go through the trials and, and the tribulations and the stress of life, and sometimes we sometimes we call out and say, God, where are you? Have you forgotten about me? No, He hasn't. He's right there with you. Where you are, there He is. It also is a reminder that when we sin, He knows that too. It is not like, whew, I hid that one from God. He doesn't know about it. <laughs> oh, yes, He does. He is omnipresent. He knows. And that brings us great comfort. It also brings us great conviction. God is omnipresent. There is a sixth thing that we ought to know about God. Every Christian ought to know God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-powerful. Back in Genesis chapter 18, um, God has made a promise to Abraham. You're going to have a son through Sarah, Sarah, your wife, and the whole world's going to be blessed. Your seed will be like the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky, but it hadn't happened yet. Time is passing Abraham and Sarah are beginning to doubt. In fact, Sarah laughed, and the three messengers who had come to see Abraham said, Why did Sarah laugh? And Abraham's like on the spot and said, Oh, my word, why does she do that? And, and God, through these messengers, says to Abram, Is anything 
too hard for the Lord? Now, Abraham doesn't give a verbal answer. His answer comes later when Isaac is born from Sarah. And God keeps his promise. But Jeremiah, Jeremiah gives us a verbal answer to that question in chapter 32. Here's what the verbal answer is to that question. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Paul put it this way in Ephesians, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is omnipotent. He'll never do anything contrary to his character. So there are some things God can't do in spite of his omnipotence. God can't lie. God can't deny himself. God can't be tempted by evil. God will always act in accordance with his character. He is omnipotent. His power and his will are tied together. They are totally and completely interwoven in Revelation chapter 1. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. He is omnipotent. The seventh thing about God that every Christian ought to know is that God is omniscient. That's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything. In First John chapter three and verse twenty, First John chapter three and and verse twenty, the scripture says, "If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything." And then in Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the thirteenth verse, the writer of Hebrews says, "Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom." we must give account. God is all-knowing, omniscient. That means he knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what I'm thinking right now. He knows everything about us from the inside out. He's omniscient. So on those days when you've said, I think God's forgotten about me, no, he hasn't. He's right there with you. He knows what you're going through. He has a plan and a purpose. He's, he's there with you. He's omniscient. And again, when we sin, understand He knows it even before we do it. Now, to know is omniscient. God knows everything. To know is a very personal word. To know God speaks of a personal relationship. And where does that personal relationship come from for us? It comes through Jesus. Now, just remember the words of Jesus in John 10. My sheep, that's you and me, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
Next time you read that verse, understand that word know is really intimate. And it's not just a, oh, yeah, I know about this famous person. No, no. This is really intimate. I know my sheep. And I hold every one of them in my hand. God is never surprised. God, God is never going to say, wow, I didn't see that coming. God is omniscient. He's never surprised. He's always aware. He knows where you are and he knows your situation. So if you've come today hurting, which some of you have, you've come hurting. Remember the omniscience of God. He knows, he knows, he's with you. And I don't know what all he's about, but I know he's with you. And he understands. Now, this, this, the eighth thing that every Christian ought to know about God is God is love. First John 4, 8, God is love. Self-giving love for his children. First John 4, 10, God is love. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. God is love. The Old Testament word is hesed, loving kindness, which means a love for his people that led him to make a covenant with them, an everlasting covenant with them. And then the New Testament word, agape, God's self-giving Love, a love, a grace, and a mercy exemplified in the most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love. Now, number nine, there are ten, so we're almost done. Number nine, God is just. God is just. God always acts in accordance with what is right, and He is the standard for what is right. Therefore, because God is righteous, because God is just, He must treat people as they deserve. He must punish sin. However, God forgives our sin because Christ died to take God's punishment for our sin upon himself. Eventually, all things will be made right. Sin will not go unpunished by just God. But aren't you grateful today to know that you will experience the mercy of God because of Jesus. Now, lastly, God is spirit. Now, do I know that there are 40,000 more things we could say about God today? Yeah, I know it. Uh, I got the sermon down from two hours to whatever it is we're about to be done. So I, I know it. But in John 4, it says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth he's not physical 
or material. They're two realms of reality, the spiritual and, and the physical. He is not confined to the material world. God has not size or dimension. He cannot be perceived by our bodily senses. Yet God has chosen to make us in our spiritual nature like Him in His spiritual nature. And He has gifted us with spirits in which, with a spirit in which we worship Him. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. You get you get that? That's just a little old verse that just kind of slipped in there. and We don't quote that very often. We are one in spirit with God. Oh my goodness. Do you understand the majesty of that? And He has chosen to make it so. We are joined to Him as one spirit with Him. And that Holy Spirit within us bears witness to our status as adopted children of God. Adopted children of God. He didn't have to do that. But He did. Therefore, I'm His. I'm His. You're His. Christian Child of God, you're His. You're one in spirit with Him. The marvel, the marvel of our great God. Let's bow together for prayer. In a moment, Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of a song of invitation. And we sing a song of invitation every Sunday because of our conviction that in a room with this many people, there's somebody here who does not yet know God through His Son, Jesus. And so the invitation is to your heart to leave your seat wherever you are, come and place your hand in mine, and to say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, to open God's Word, to share with you you can enter into a personal saving relationship with Jesus today. If you know the Lord already, will you rejoice today in the absolute marvel that God has chosen to adopt us and that we are one with Him? Father, thank You. What an amazing marvel that You would choose to love us, call us, draw us to Yourself that You would have chosen to send Your Son Jesus to die for our sin, that You've given us the gift of eternal life. We thank You. Now, somebody here needs Your Son. Who is it, Father? I don't know, but You know. Draw them irresistibly to Yourself right now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.